Shiny Happy People is officially Prime Video's biggest documentary series debut of all time. People are discovering how Bill Gothard and the IBLP cult ruined the lives of thousands of people, and it is sending absolute shockwaves across the religious community. Uh, today, we're going to be taking a look at some of the Shiny Happy People cult's most notorious programs, including Character First and Alert, the infamous paramilitary program that's still operating today in Big Sandy, Texas. Uh, we also have a very special segment. I'm really excited about this. Uh, a special segment with the man who was responsible for exposing Bill Gothard and IBLP leadership and ultimately crippled what was, at the time, the largest cult in America. And then at the end of the episode, uh, we'll be making a surprise announcement. Um, again, really excited about this. Uh, but first... Joining me is my good friend and also former cult member, Bryce. Uh, side note, got a really fun picture of Bryce that I'll be sharing at the end of the episode, and it is a doozy. <laughs> I, I knew I should never have showed you that. Yeah, you made a mistake on that one, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but let's get right into uh, to the ALERT program, the Airland Emergency Resource Team. Now, ALERT, in my opinion, uh, was one of the creepiest programs uh, that the IBLP cult had. They had a lot of different weird stuff going on. Uh, but in the shiny happy people cult, uh, alert just seemed to be the most ominous to me. Uh, it was also the, one of the most attractive programs yes. within the cult. because mm -hmm. and, and to be fair, maybe one of the few that actually gave you a uh, marketable skill at yeah. the end yeah, of very the much so. experience. Yeah, but you weren't just learning how to serve others necessarily. You were actually learning some life skills. Exactly. Uh, so Alert, it was the cult's paramilitary organization, uh, which, I mean, that's just an insane concept. On its own, right? Right. Uh, they were training boys and young men. No girls allowed, obviously, right? No, just, no girls just allowed. Just males. I'm actually uh, surprised that there were women on staff, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, a lot of times there weren't. There, there, uh, and there no, were there, only special visits. There were always women on staff. Like the Northwest oh, in the was kitchen. the first... Right, right. Yeah, yeah, Somewhere yeah. behind the scenes. But... Right. Where they couldn't see them. Yeah, yeah. So that they couldn't make eye contact and, and potentially, you know, create a stumbling block. Exactly. Right? Um so they were training these guys uh, as soldiers for the cult, focusing primarily on physical fitness, unquestioning obedience to authority, uh, which is a huge thing in the cult, uh, and biblical indoctrination. Uh, those things primarily are what they focused on. Alert, it, it really was like the standard for bravery and honor in the cult, I would say. I mean... I mean, if you were just a regular training center employee, like okay, I, I was okay. a somewhat of a big deal yeah, working for character yeah. first business, and then the alert guys would roll into town, and it was like, oh, here we go, nothing, yeah, no, yeah. just here we go. Just, but I will say, like in the cult, boys, like younger boys, would dream about going off to the academy. Oh yeah, wearing the uniform, marching around at the conferences, looking all cool and tough, right? Yep. Uh, it was it was basically like uh, our Marines. Yeah, getting you know? sent to exotic places like Oklahoma City <laughs> for these disaster relief missions, wait. right? Um, the cult's objective, uh, really, uh, and it, I think it's still stated on their website. The cult's objective was to raise an army of godly men that would influence the world for Christ. That's Which, what they were doing with this program. It's well, kind of the phrase he put in everything, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, yeah. But this one was just so heavy 
on the indoctrination. Yes. Right. Um, after completion of the alert program, graduates uh, were a lot of times responsible for training the next class of cadets, uh, leading other cult programs and uh, and, of course, deployment for these disaster missions that we're going to talk about a little bit more. I, I think that one of the uh, main differences that we're catching on here is that the other programs had a uh, at least a a fantasy that you had a choice mm. that you could leave and you know it's not the, oh, it's yeah. some days we're like an alert it was like no you're here you're here you're doing exactly what you're told yeah. uh-huh. and uh, there are severe and if you try to leave without permission we'll chase you down because uh, yeah. that that kind of stuff did happen at the academy as well where you, you know these recruits would try to leave there, there's a story about one trying to hitchhike his way out of the academy they caught him and brought him back um yeah, it's 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 just crazy. My my first exposure to alert was when my family attended the Colts annual conference uh, that they hold every year in Knoxville, Tennessee, on the University of Tennessee campus. Uh, I think I was probably about twelve or thirteen at the time, uh, and they had a program at the conference called Alert Cadets. Mm-hmm. Um, they had special uniforms for all the boys and the graduates, the, the alert graduates, I, I, I should say would lead teams of, of these cadets uh, through several actually fun activities. A, a lot of the stuff we were doing at this conference was really fun. Like we went, uh, we went rappelling, uh, we, we did hikes. We actually had this massive water balloon fight that I remember just the other day. Um, once again, you, you know, memories are just locked away, but uh, right. I, I have a very vivid memory now of being out in this open field and there was like, a, like some sort of tower that they had built and we were launching water balloons at this tower. And I think I think the tower was supposed to represent strongholds course, yes. in your it's life that the represent. devil had. Yeah. Yeah. So we were basically taking down these strongholds with with water balloons. And it was a it, that, that was actually really fun. We also did go uh, on some community service missions yep. around the campus, you know, cleaning up parks and sidewalks and streets and that sort of thing. Water balloon fight leftovers. Yeah. Right, yeah. Like but but that was actually I mean, that was a really fun experience. Like, like I enjoyed that. Uh, and watching the alert guys, like I said, march around in their uniforms at this conference, it was it was pretty awe inspiring for my younger self. Somebody's got a crush. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what's really interesting about that conference this is another memory that just came up the other day having a conversation with someone. Um, you know, at, at this conference, my my family only t- attended one of the annual conferences, and at this one, there's like you, you know they do these seminars every night. Where, wait, wait. Where everyone you, is invited to attend. You only did, what, did one? <laughs> yeah, just because we weren't as good an IBLP cult yeah. family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we just weren't that great, you know? We spent um, one week of our two-week family vacation. Every year? For at the four conference? years in a row. <sighs> Yikes. Yeah. Driving out to Knoxville and... In the minivan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Knoxville or bus. Seeing all of the other... Seeing the custom 15-passenger vans just with yeah. envy. Just like, oh. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> why don't we have a van that big? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they would have, like, caravans of these homeschoolers. Yes. And you uh, put the sign on the to, window and... To Knoxville, right? Yeah. Honk, honk for... We even had a... So it was my family and another family that went this year, and we had a CB radio. So that we could talk back and forth between our two vans. Pretty that cool. sounds like magic and the devil's work. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you repent. So at this conference that I went to, and, and and like I said, I had completely forgotten about this. But every night they do these 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 big seminars, right? And there's like oh, yeah. 40, 50,000 people there probably. Um, and there was a guy speaking. 
I think it was a guest speaker, some out-of-town pastor that was buddies with Bill Gothard, and he was given this uh, this seminar, and dude just collapsed on stage. He actually died. And so I'm like 12 or 13 years old just watching this dude croak in the middle of a of a presentation. But the alert guys were the ones that ran out on stage in their uniforms and were trying to resuscitate, uh, resuscitate him. Uh, doing CPR and everything, but uh, they were not able to save him. No, that was definitely um, an experience. Um, you did, interestingly enough, I think that was the one time my grandmother went with us. Oh, she watched that guy yeah, yeah. pass away as yeah, well? We we picked her up. Yikes. Took her in. Well, that, yeah, that was my first, I mean, aside from the basic seminar in the Children's Institute, that was really my first, you know, large exposure to the cult. Uh, or, or one of the cult gatherings, I should say. I hadn't been so to any of the training So if you were going to alert point. cadets, yeah. So the separate, you know, that might have been the time I was on staff. Actually, that might have been my last one. I can't remember. I think mm, no. Anyway, yeah, because you probably so would have been about like what sixteen or seventeen. There were, well, no, then I wouldn't have been on staff. Huh. Um, if you were older than that, you didn't go to pre-alert, and you were in alert because, of course, all the alert guys were instantly transformed into slave labor for the yeah, conference. literally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would go, and they would ship us off. We'd get on all these buses, we'd ship to like an ancillary building, huh. and we would have choir practice. Now, oh, the yeah. problem uh-huh. with that is that there were a small handful of hooligans. <laughs> Not unlike yourself. Yeah, that probably would have been me if and I'd been on staff. They would drive the choir director absolutely out of his mind. We're talking paper airplanes flying off the balcony. Oh, that sounds just, fun. Just in just and I'm just of course I'm standing there going like, guys, we gotta practice <laughs> the song. Come Our on. song's not gonna be good, y'all. And the, and the choir director's having a meltdown <laughs> within, within like twenty minutes. He's like getting people to go and capture the children and and remove them from disrupting the environment. You know they're gonna get, you know, isolated and hand delivered oh, to sure. their parents. I don't know if they had prayer rooms at the Knoxville conference, but if they did, you know, oh, buddy, we, they were going away. We we rented the whole campus practically. Yeah, so. I, I mean, uh, when you went to the conferences, you actually slept. In University of Tennessee dorm rooms, I believe. I think we only did that once. We usually had a hotel. Oh, you got a hotel? Well, lucky yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, with an no, indoor we swimming, swimming pool. Howard Johnson, nice. am I right? Okay, All right. and you were allowed to swim in it? <laughs> with the other families from our Ooh, hometown. That is edgy. I know. Um, yeah, so that was, that was my first exposure to Alert. My second encounter with Alert was, was not quite so pleasant. Uh, this is when I was sent to behavioral rehab. Uh, that, that was the Life Focus program at the Indianapolis compound uh, in 1999. And that program was run by alert graduates. Um, and their mission was to take what the cult considered rebellious teenage boys, yeah boy, uh, and break them down over the course of a few months, mm-hmm. right? And so these guys, there was, there was almost no oversight on this program. And if so, you made it through alert, you didn't need oversight. You, yeah, you were be, locked in, and yes, they, the switch was thrown. You were now a man of God, right? That could much. do no wrong for the most part. Yep. Um, so these alert team leaders, they were allowed to do pretty much whatever they wanted uh, with their individual teams. And, I mean, they put us through weeks of extremely intense manual labor, uh, brainwashing, uh, interrogations. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, it was an obviously solitary confinement as well. Right. Um, you know, it, it seemed like a lot of these alert guys 
had a massive chip on their shoulders. I mean, I don't know can what we you're, blame them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. You know, after uh, what they'd been through. Yeah. You, you know, through their training. Exactly, and, uh, then, and then yeah, it's it's not like you got raises. I mean, you got promotions and <laughs> no. stuff. You know. Yeah, you were getting paid. I mean, yeah. Maybe you were getting paid a little bit. But. Might, yeah, well, minimum wage, and then they take you out for room and board. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you're supposed to tithe part of that. I too. don't know if these alert guys were getting paid to run the Life Focus program. Honestly, yeah, the, uh, probably I'm not. Sure. not. I think it was a volunteer position. It's a, it's a check mark in your life journal. Yeah, I mean, we paid. My family paid for me to attend the Life Focus program, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as far as the team leaders, I, I, I don't. I think it might have been volunteer. Um, yeah, and so there was just there was very little, little oversight. It was uh, it was a very negative experience for me. Um, so so the background of Alert, it was originally established in 1994. Uh, by a retired colonel, Ron Furman. Uh, originally, their training facility was at the Northwoods compound in Michigan, right? But then in the year 2000, uh, they moved down to Big Sandy, Texas, uh, which, I mean, that kind of became the crown jewel compound for the cult. I think that was like 99. I want to say 1999. When they acquired when it? they got that. When, okay, so they acquired the Big Sandy facility in 1999 and then moved alert to it in 2000. Yeah, I mean, it would have taken a lot of time. There was a lot of, there was work to be done at the campus. Well, yeah, because that was the, uh, that was the former Ambassador College. Yes. Right? Um, that they essentially had to renovate. And, and uh, Hobby Lobby, uh, yep. David Green, the CEO of Hobby Lobby, had a big part in helping uh, the cult acquire that, that property. Yes. Yes, he did. Uh, so, alert is still active today. Which is, I mean, that's one of the craziest things about this, right? Is it did not go away, uh, you know, when when the cult lost all, not all their power, but most of their power in 2014. So Alert is still going on. You can still sign up for the Academy. I, I don't know how much it costs, but you, you would basically go through a nine-month training program. Right. Starts with basic training. And then you can move on to intermediate training and then finally advanced training. Uh, the, their website claims that over 2,600 people have gone through this program. I, I'm not sure how accurate that is, uh, but, but that's, what, that's what they say on the website. It's primarily run by retired uh, military personnel, obviously. And fun fact, super fun fact, uh, they are planning their 30-year reunion uh, for February 2024. Super excited. Man, I hope some guys that went from alert into the military and they come out there and they're just like tatted up. <laughs> they can't they, they can't actually speak. make it into they special can't go forces. Three sentences without five F bombs. Yeah. You know, because they've they've seen some stuff. You know? Because they've actually done the real thing right. now. Yeah. Um I, I want to show some pictures uh of alert. Josh, can you uh can you put this on the screen and, and let's go through some of the slides? Uh so here's uh Here's some of the alert guys in formation. Uh, and I think, Josh, if you advance to the next one, uh, we've got some training exercises on the next picture. Oh, yeah, look at that. They're, uh, I don't know what's going on right there, but uh, it looks like they're Inspection. praying almost. Yeah, something nah. weird. Uh, on the next one is uh, another another training picture. This These are all, uh, well, I guess, like marketing pictures that uh, that alert actually uses. Uh, so, so there's some guys doing who knows what, and then to the next one, Josh, 
This is actually alert at the Knoxville conference. Uh, these are the guys at the conference when they do their marches across the stage and they have the alert men's choir that yep. sings a few songs. They even have their own CD that I, they recorded. I, I own that CD. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead and go to the next one, Josh. This is uh, this is them at one of the, uh, I think this is actually the Northwoods facility before it was moved uh, to Big Sandy. Uh, so go one more, Josh. And this is Big Sandy. This is the current alert academy. Yeah, so really exciting stuff. Uh, Alert's basic training phase was notoriously difficult. Josh, you can advance one more. Uh, It's basically like Christian boot camp for homeschool special forces. Here they are probably doing push-ups and butterfly butterfly kicks and all sorts of fun stuff. My understanding is the first couple of classes... It's not like they eased into this. They no. they they took it from zero to like Navy SEAL level. Yes, pro- almost. I don't want to insult the SEALs. <laughs> almost uh, Navy SEAL level intensity, which is not necessary at the age of. Well, yeah, I mean they they wanted 17. to as closely resemble a military training experience as possible, and I think that's very calculated on their part. Yeah, um, I think there's a reason behind that. Uh, recruits lived. At the Alert Academy during their training, uh, they slept in barracks. They ate in a mess hall. Uh, for the training, they heavily utilized uh, sleep deprivation, starvation, and intense physical training, really to physically and mentally break these recruits down. And that's things that special forces do. Yeah, it's absolutely. Thing. And it's so you can indoctrinate them with whatever you need to. Probably has some oversight by a psychiatrist of some kind. That's right. <laughs> Unlike. Alert. Yeah. Uh, 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 for, for alert, there wasn't really any attention that was paid to your physical or mental well-being. I, I think they came up with this program when they couldn't break you, and they're like, <laughs> you know, we really got to ramp this We got to do something. We got to get him away <laughs> from the city. I would love to take credit for that, but it was established in 1994, oh. and I think that's even before my family was, was part of the cult. Well, may, maybe like right as we joined. Maybe they saw it coming. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but that that uh, that boot camp phase is is just where I heard the most horror stories, um, you know, coming from alert graduates that this was really a nightmare for them. Um, even the guys that wanted to be there and, you know, continued through the courses, th- this this whole process was just an absolute nightmare. Um, I've and, gotta- and to be clear, I and I met several alert guys i was around them during their deployments in several places Mm -hmm. they never said one negative thing oh of course not yeah no 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 of course not uh you couldn't no because that was that was a trial by fire for the lord right exactly that's essentially what they were going through was trials and tribulations to test their faith and strengthen their faith build character that's right (laughs) that is right that's almost a perfect segue for character first, but uh, we've got a little bit more to talk about with Alert. So I want to read a quote from a guy that graduated from Alert in the early 2000s that kind of highlights the, the conditions that, uh, that these guys were subject to. So um, he says, safety for the most part was overlooked when it came to accidents. A kid had a heat stroke on one of the hikes and they splashed water on him and made him keep going after a short 15-minute break. Another kid had a hernia full-on sticking out of his gut, never went to a a hospital. Uh, From what anyone knew, he was always there, and it was present until graduation. Another kid fell off the O-course rope, 
from the top. Pretty sure he at least fractured his foot. Never saw him in a bracer cast, but noticed a limp from that point on. He also tells a story about how uh, a kid that was trying to get to formation, that was late for formation, ran through a sliding glass door, like broke it, lacerated his face. They didn't take him to the hospital, didn't get him stitches, just kind of bandaged him up, you know? This is, this is what these guys were subjected to. Uh, and once again, it was to break them down. Yeah. We want to physically, mentally, and emotionally exhaust you so that now you are putty in our hands, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, after the graduation, after you had, gra- after you had graduated from the uh, Alert Academy, there were a few options, right? You could stay in Big Sandy uh, to help train the next team of recruits. You could go volunteer at one of the compounds, typically leading one of the training programs like Life Focus, uh, which is, you know, the guys that led most of our teams when I was in Life Focus. Uh, you could be deployed on a disaster relief mission, which we'll talk about here in a second. Or for some of these guys, they were like, I've had enough. I'm going back to normal life. And of course, that's I, I mean, Bryce, that's why you never heard any of the bad stories yeah. from alert graduates, because these are the guys that wanted to stay on. Right. And they would also deploy to, you know, whatever newly acquired dump, mm-hmm. you know, Little Rock, notorious, yep. massive, massive hospital. Yeah. Stripped of all copper wiring. And they're like, we're going to send a team of 10 <laughs> alert we got men. This. <laughs> the alert we're going to rebuild this whole thing. It's like, uh. well, we talked in another episode about how when I was in live focus, uh, you know, our teams and the alert guys, we we went and basically stripped out a barn down to the studs and then re-sheetrocked it. I mean, I mean, we basically renovated this thing uh, while I was at the Indianapolis compound uh, because that's where they had one of their orphanages, right? I, I helped build the uh, conference center in Oklahoma City, which is where the pool used to be. Oh, really? And that's what they turned it into the auditorium. Oh, because we can't have a pool. And uh, the, the, the one compound. time I was there for a month and they put me on the maintenance team, that lasted three days before they're like... <laughs> this guy is causing more problems. Than, that's, I was like, I don't know. That, that's a great tactic, though. It is. I just don't know how to do these dishes. It seems like oh, you're no, no, so no. much Then better. they put me in the kitchen, oh. and I was perfectly happy with that. Okay. You just didn't want to do the manual labor. I, it's just not my jam, man. But yeah, no, cook. I can hey, cook. Listen, I hate it, too, especially after <laughs> renovating that stupid barn in Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> now, the deployments were kind of interesting, right? The disaster relief deployments were, I think— the most actual good that the alert program actually did. Yes. Right. Uh, I remember hearing that they had been deployed to help with search and recovery after Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had mentioned something about the Oklahoma. So when that the Oklahoma bombing happened, uh, the Oklahoma City Training Center is like three blocks away, mm. and these guys sprinted over there. They wow. were just they were there and they went. Um, yeah, they, they these guys definitely did good. Um, and they were looking for action. And that was in 1995. So that was like after some of the first graduates had come out of the academy. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think the training center was new. And, of course, they were there working. Yep, helping um, restore it, right? And then, of course, later with the F5 tornado hit Oklahoma yeah. City, which, mm-hmm. which my sister lived through. And I was there the very next day. Wow. And um, they... You know, they brought everybody in for that. Mm. And later in my own hometown of uh, New Braunfels, we had a massive, insane flood, mm-hmm. and they all came down. That was down. just a few years. Well, no, I mean, no. it was like 10 years, 15 years ago, right? It's longer than that. Oh, even oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're talking 2002 or something Oh, wow. Like that. Okay, I was thinking of a more recent one uh, where the river flooded and 
a bunch it's of every, houses over It is there. every yeah. 10 years. But yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. So they, they have been deployed. They, you know, if you remove all of the uh, hell that they had to go through and all of the indoctrination yeah. and and the, you know, craziness, you know, if you're just like, oh, it's a young men's search and rescue team, cool. That that might actually not be so bad. It's not a, not a bad but, idea. But that was not the ultimate goal of the cult with this program. And, and that's where it gets, in my opinion, pretty sinister. So I, I will say this on that deployment to New Braunfels, it was really funny watching a squad <laughs> of alert guys yeah. drink out of a can that said Budweiser on it because Budweiser always has water to deploy. Oh, yeah. So here's all these guys, and, and they're <laughs> loving it. They're just like... Nah. Yeah, we get to fake drink exactly. beer. Oh, wow. This is, yeah, we're so sinful. It was hilarious. That's, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, now, Alert's website, it, it brags about how many graduates have gone on to serve in the actual military, uh, in the police department, the fire department, EMS, local government, other civic organizations. Uh, and, and I wanted to read something from the Alert Academy's website. Um, I, I, th I, I just think this, this really highlights what their primary mission was. The Alert Academy is an intense post-high school Christian discipleship and training program for young men who want to live with purpose and make an impact. We forge men to be spiritually sound, physically fit, and ready to serve. Alert utilizes a military-style structure, intense intentional discipleship, unique experiences, and professional skills training to create an environment that facilitates the forging process. I, I love that phrase, forging process. They are they are not hiding the fact that they are putting these guys through the fire, right? Yeah. Uh, our nine-month training program consists of three phases, which we talked about, basic training, a mentally and physically demanding boot camp, intermediate training, training designed to develop personal competence, critical thinking, and a service mindset, and advanced training, professional instruction and mentorship in a man's chosen training option. So they are very direct about wanting to essentially strengthen these recruits in their faith. That is the primary purpose. We want to have these godly men influence the world for Christ, as yeah. we said. That's Absolutely. that's the whole goal, right? Um, there was one other thing, uh, and, and this is about their uniforms. I, I I mentioned that earlier, watching these guys, you know, march around the conference centers and, and, and all this fun stuff. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, like I said, awe-inspiring uh, for you know, younger kids, right? Look, you got a boost every time you went to these training centers because, I mean, <laughs> Mr. G was a hype man. I mean, yeah. every program, every little program he thought of yeah. was going to be the best thing. In the world. And like girls somebody, love a man in like uniform. somebody else. <laughs> Even though they weren't allowed to make eye contact with it, but girls do love a man in uniform. Indeed. Right? Uh, so they'd be marching around these conference centers and everything. I was talking to one of my comedian buddies about this, though, and I mentioned, uh, Josh, go go a couple slides forward. Uh, keep going, keep going. This one. Yeah, show this one. I mentioned that the uniforms have medals. Notice that, Bryce, how they've got medals on the uniform? Well, he was wondering what they got the medals for. There would be deployments <laughs> for sure. Was it for avoiding eye contact with women? <laughs> was it memorizing extra Bible verses, maybe? I don't know. Uh, but it's so it's it's funny, right? But it also points out the kind of environment that the cult was trying to cultivate within this program, right? Yeah. It's all about the pomp and circumstance with very little substance and a very rotten interior underneath this shiny, happy surface, right? Oh, yeah. Um, now, I posted uh, 
I, I mentioned this to you, Bryce. I, I had posted some some short videos on social media, just kind of explaining the background of the alert program, and immediately got attacked by some graduates from the program. I mean, did, right away. Did they say when they graduated? I'm curious. No, no, they did not say anything about that. Uh, I mean, I have their names, so potentially I I I could figure it out probably, but yeah. I, I didn't feel like digging that deep. Um, they explained to me though that alert was a great experience for them and and maybe it was like you said there were probably some guys that really appreciated and flourished in that program um that they weren't being trained as a military to overthrow the government or anything which i never even said right um that that i didn't know what i was talking about and, and basically what they were trying to do was separate alert from the rest of the cult experience like this is a standalone program on its own no that's ludicrous it's and got it's a foundation utter bullshit yeah. Yeah. Um, they also told me that um, I was only attacking the IBLP cult uh, because I was bitter and resentful mm. uh, and that I should reach out to the cult for closure. <laughs> yes. I think yeah. that Davey has built a stronghold of bitterness <laughs> in his heart. Now, what we're going to do, we're gonna, I need a paper. We're going to draw a grid. And yeah. I'm going to show you how Satan's arrows are, 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 are penetrating me right now. I'm being Absolutely. penetrated by the devil. <laughs> this Look, this is a classic example, right, of the deflection and blame shifting uh, that the cult uses all the time. Yeah, And we're going to see more of it uh, because uh, Bill Gothard has actually been a little more active on his social media recently, and it's the exact same tactics, dude. It's the exact same line of bullshit. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so we're, we're going to take a look at that, but, but here's, here's the real issue with alert. In my opinion, this program was a training program heavy with indoctrination and brainwashing in a very intentional military environment. They were conditioning hundreds and hundreds of young men to be robots for Gothard and his cult. That is what I believe. We know that the ultimate goal for the IBLP cult was world domination. We've talked about this. They talked about it on the documentary. They wanted to reclaim society for Gothard's version of Christianity. Yeah, I, and I that's think the it, issue. It serves so many purposes for them. It's a ready and willing workforce. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just pick up the phone. You don't have to convince anybody to send their kid. They already been through it. They're yep. ready to go. It's like this is this is what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, I was even just thinking like when the, I wonder if they came up with like the pre alert thing as a money generating because before oh, for sure before a children's yeah. institute you just got like a little badge no big mm -hmm. deal but now they're like oh you got to buy some uniforms and you yep. got to do this and, and the curriculum and the it's training gonna cost books more because yeah. this mm -hmm. isn't the children's institute this is pre-alert yeah this is alert cadets baby yeah yeah uh i so me and some of my buddies actually went through alert cadets too very very briefly but um where's but your yeah. medal <laughs> where's your Could medal not even begin to tell you <laughs> um and, and and the thing is there's there's really no telling how this brainwashed paramilitary might have been used eventually. That's the scary part to me. If this, if if the cult had con continued on its its growth trajectory, there's no telling, dude, what they could have used. I mean, we hear about mercenary organizations. Who knows, man? Uh, I mean, it never it never became, and I and I and I want to make that clear. It never became a mercenary organization, right? But it would not have surprised me at all if I it mean, had. If Gothard was still in charge, he could have easily deployed them for intimidation tactics. Yeah, of course, it would have been standing outside of your house praying for you, but yeah, right. still, reciting First Peter or something right. weird. Yeah, 
But it, exactly, who who knows what it could have ultimately become and what the you know kind of underlying goal that was only talked about in the boardroom. You know, um, you just you just had to wait every year after he fasted for three weeks <laughs> and he got his new revelation from, from God. God. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, alert was something that they used as a uh, a very effective outreach tool, uh, but I think even more effective. Uh, was character first. And now we're going to get into character first. And right before we do, I just remembered also the alert thing was a very uh, strategic used to get into these other countries. We're like, oh, yeah. we can bring these mm-hmm. uh, these guys. If you guys have a natural disaster, we're ready to go. That's and- true, dude. Yeah, because they went down to Mexico. They went over to Russia. Mm-hmm. They were in New Zealand, uh, Australia. Yep. Uh, I mean, they were all over the world. They would get deployed all over the world. That That's a really good point is you could... You know, essentially tell a local government, oh, hey, you need some cleanup help? Well, we've got these guys that we can send over, but we're going to need X, Y, Z from we're, you. We're buying a facility uh-huh. in your city. Mm-hmm. We need some tax breaks. We, who or, who, and that's, tax breaks. that's all we don't know. Yeah, it, I mean, it could have even, it's something as simple as like a, a help with licenses that they needed. True. You, you know, uh, or permits or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, Bryce. Um, I think even more effective than than Alert, though, was the Character First program. This is really what took IBLP mainstream, right, with implementation in schools, governments, prison, prison systems. Uh, and you were very heavily involved in the development of this program and even helped bring it into some of the local schools, right? We, uh, we got the call that every IBLP mom wants to get. And I remember I was at the dining room table and I heard my mother say, the pilot program, I was like, uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> and my thought at first was like, alerts, their, their aircraft pilot thing? Because you could get a pilot's sure, license yeah. alert. But nope, no, no. It was to go into public schools. Uh-huh. Now, I am the ripe, brilliant, wise age of 16. Wow. Um, <laughs> go into some public schools in Oklahoma City and teach the same stuff, the exact same stuff from the seminars mm-hmm. with all of the things that might be considered offensive to people that are outside the organization. So yeah. no, no Jesus and no mm-hmm. Bible and no uh, subject the women to the men right. type. Now, the obedience one, we should probably look at that one and see how they worded it. That could be interesting. But they they developed this curriculum. We had songs. We had activities. Uh-huh. We went down. They took us out to the public schools. We went into the classrooms, and we did this whole experience. It was like two version six six weeks at a time mm. and there were two of them Oklahoma City I later did it in uh Waco area <laughs> but and then a little bit I didn't actually go into the schools in Australia but like they they put me in charge of it in Australia but which, really? which wasn't much of anything to say they they these people, like in charge of the whole character first program in Australia I just helped organize like it was uh-huh. like an admin type thing yeah so it wasn't there wasn't a nest needed. These these people there, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. But yeah. I think it was another, you know, tactic by that particular director. So character first was basically the teachings of the cult with all the religion stripped out, right? Oh yes. It was yeah. wrapped up with a bow. And then they would go into these schools or other organizations, um, and essentially proselytize, right? Uh, well, you know, we we have our necessary and needed. Oh, look at this binder. Love it. 
IBLP so, loves a good binder, dude. Now, remember, all of these are produced in-house, and this is yeah. quality, okay? Mm -hmm. This is a quality binder. I mean, how old is that thing? Over <laughs> 20 years, Still for looks sure. new. <laughs> we got all of the fun little bulletins and things. Yeah. Uh, I got the songbook. You know. That looks exciting. Now, what's really cool, and I can't wait to go, I need to go on eBay yeah. and, and see what the uh, cost <laughs> you could potentially the, uh, sell this stuff for of the cards. Oh no, dude! Look at this. Yeah, character cards. They really missed an opportunity to have like limited edition ones and buy a blind pack and things of that nature. Right. But you know, I got I went full eagle. Woo! So this is worth got the extra, whole collection extra right here. What are the what are the character qualities that, Don't are, that make are on there? Me say them. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting. It just has the name of the animal on the front. It's like lion. And then you flip it over. It's like truthfulness. Yeah, I love the truthful lion. Yes. Uh, obedience. I will obey my authorities immediately. I will have a cheerful attitude. I will complete all that I am expected to do. I will not complain. And I will go the extra mile. Mm. Those, yeah. look, those look grade 10. <laughs> easily, easily. I mean, the, the this character first program, it really was a way for the cult to get its hooks in, yeah. right? And, Outside. And just like the alert program, if you take the foundation mm -hmm. of where this came from, yeah. there's nothing inherently wrong at all with mm -hmm. trying to teach kids about being sincere, being orderly. And being truthful, all being this truthful stuff, right? Being truthful and yeah. to a degree obedience. If uh -huh. they tell you to not run in the middle of the highway, don't do it. You know, there's certain aspects. And so it's not exactly like the kids had a bad experience. Right. It was definitely different for them. Mm -hmm. um, I have a whole, you know, bag full of notes from mm. all these kids from all over. So it's, uh, you know, it's just the foundation. Right. You it's know, what and, they and were. What would it have become if it had just? Where kept were they going? going with it? Exactly right. Because, it, 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 but but at the same time, even something as simple as that obedience card. Yeah. I mean, that oh, is man. unquestioning obedience. Yes. Right. Well, how far can you potentially take that? As far as you want. That's, as long as people. That's are, the whole issue with it. Are They're, on board. It's it, it's problematic to me. Yeah, because once again, you're just creating these little character robots, just like Alert was creating these little military robots. Now you're creating, you know, these little minions. Yeah. Um. And 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 that's what was scary about this program is how widespread it really was. I mean, it was all once again all over the world. Oh yeah. And they were gradually moving it public, right? This was no longer confined to fundamental Christian homeschoolers. Now we've got this, you know, out there in the secular world. Yeah, and I mean, it went from character first education, and then he built the character first for business, and mm -hmm. they would get businesses to subscribe mm -hmm. to the newsletter, and then I forget how much it cost per bulletin. Hobby Lobby ordered the biggest; they had the biggest order. Mm. I forget it was thousands and thousands because it went out to all their stores. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it just they, then we would. People would fly in, dads would fly in, uh -huh. take the week-long course, become a certified consultant. Right. So that's like 400 bucks for that week, <laughs> yeah. plus room and board. Uh -huh. And some of these dads are not, you know, they're barely making it Yeah. already. And now, But now they've got a small business. Really? Get, yeah, they would get a commission. Based on how many businesses they were able to implement this character first program? At? Yes. Wow. That <laughs> sounds like a pyramid scheme a little bit, but, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, but... It, it was no secret that Character First was an IBLP program, right? 
Like as you were going into these schools and businesses, like they knew where this was coming from, right? I honestly don't know. Um, mm. I don't know how they could not, but they always made it very clear that they were separate. Right. If people questioned it, it's like, oh no, no separate business. Yeah, yeah. Or separate yeah. organizations. We, separate we lease an office in this mm-hmm. giant building they own. Yeah. And we lease the children that work for us. Yeah, it's we're great. all on the compound, but <laughs> yeah. you know, it's separate. It's yeah, but uh, it's transfer pricing is really what it is. But uh, I mean, to me, this was this was just step one, right? Once you you know get these public school kids you know attracted to your character first program now maybe you can get them to invite their parents to the basic seminar and they can attend yeah. children's institute and then maybe they become a part of the cult and now you've got new followers so this was just a way to indoctrinate the next generation that wasn't necessarily already involved in the cult right yeah and i don't see how it could have possibly been successful in today's day and age this cannot compete against a playstation <laughs> well i mean maybe they would have developed video games dude character first the video game oh it would, how cool first, would first it would have be? been a college you know <laughs> and they're like all right we have the uh, armor of the lord video game here we that, go. that it would have been a first person probably like fantasy world i don't know like yeah. a world of warcraft but without the magic of course because magic's evil um but okay so so you were involved with with character first uh, until when? You, you like right until you left the left the cult. I mean, I I had basically forgotten that I was somewhat involved with it in Australia because I really didn't do much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that would I came back from Australia, and I don't remember consciously making a decision to not go and serve. Mm-hmm. I just was like done. Yeah. And I'm, I just, I'm like, I'm not going. But I, you wanted to have a life at I that wanted, point. Like, I, people, I'm 21, and I don't have a car. and I'm, No professional experience whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. You've just been essentially volunteering. I mean, I had a checking account, a Roth IRA, because my parents oh, were nice. like moving in that direction. But no. Yeah. I, so so you left. Character first continued on until, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming until the cult really lost its power in 2014. That was the that was the year. 2014 was the year that Gothard was removed from his own cult, after the scandals with all those underage girls and young women. Allegedly, I have to say allegedly there, right? Um, and and th- that actually takes us into our next segment. That was like 13 years after I stopped participating. Wow, it was that long, dude. Because it was 2001. That's when. That's that's pretty much when you left. I was in Australia during. The whole 9-11 thing but so yeah it was, okay it would be 2001 so and and i was probably two years after that it was when when i was 18 mm-hmm. um so so this next segment um it, you know for years the cult had been able to to cover up the the abuse within their organization and they were able to silence their victims right uh and and that was i mean we saw that over and over and i experienced it in life focus you know, where they would tell investigators, oh, no, we don't lock anyone in solitary confinement. No, that that, that doesn't happen. And they definitely were. Right. Um, so they were able to cover up this abuse and silence the victims for years. But that all changed when Recovering Grace hit the Internet. Yes. Um, Dr. John Cornish created the Recovering Grace website in 2011, basically as, as a forum, uh, a supportive forum for ex-cult members. Uh, this... This website is where a lot of victims, ex-cult members, realized for the first time they were not alone in the isolation and abuse 
that they had experienced and that there was a whole community of people who had lived through the same nightmare. It was so it was so segregated and every little mm-hmm. training center had its own little pockets mm-hmm. and, and within the training center there were other organizations. I I don't even know what there was this other program called the North Highland uh, project. Mm. I don't even know what that was about. Those people were sinners. We saw mm. them going and getting McDonald's, and just, <laughs> they roamed the halls at will. They just had a lot of freedom. I was like, what? what, what they're not even. They're not even ministering practically. Right. right? They what's, look what's like they're having fun, guys? and yeah. so that's how we know that they're not doing it right. Uh-huh. So there were pockets within pockets of things going and on, and they didn't communicate with with one another. Not re- like you would see everybody at the meals. Mm-hmm. And you would sit generally with kind of the same people yeah. over a time, of course, or try to avoid sitting with certain people. <laughs> and so you didn't, it's not, and you're not going to gossip about abuse right. in a giant right. dining hall mm-hmm. around yes. all the leadership or mm-hmm. the moms of a leadership. I had, there were some fun moms. Uh, that I experienced. Whoa, whoa! Fun no, moms? no. Like I was trying, like I was milfs? trying to say something, and this mom, no, not not oh, at not, all. Not in that she way. like put okay. her hands on my face, and I almost lost it. I, like, <laughs> I, I, I am sixteen and a half. Do not touch. No, <laughs> she was an authority figure. I didn't. I just, I looked at you her, just very you surprised, obeyed. and then unquestioningly, at yeah. that point, I was not friendly with her at all. Yeah, I, I mean, the, you know, the really funny thing is, her husband worked for me. <laughs> Oh really? Yes. <laughs> it was this in Oklahoma? Yeah, I was his manager. You were his manager yeah. at sixteen and a half? No, I I just said that because oh, okay, it was funnier. Okay. I was eighteen. Oh you're oh you were eighteen. Maybe nineteen. Yeah. A whole year and a half older than we yeah, thought. Yeah. yeah. But um yeah, yeah. I mean this this isolation uh that, that you would experience within the cult was was just insane, right? Yeah. But then recovering grace blew that all wide open. Um I mean, I, I really, I, I don't think I can emphasize enough how much Recovering Grace, Dr. Cornish and Recovering Grace were responsible for so taking down Bill Gothard. When did you even become aware of Recovering Grace? Boy. Because it wasn't um, when it came out. No, it was like a year later. Okay, so when yeah. it came out, I was there. I experienced it. I saw it. I was like, that, and that was like the mind blown for me. I was like, what? This? This is what was happening? I, yeah. I know, John. Mm-hmm. We worked together at the Oklahoma City Training Center. Mm-hmm. I, I'd been, you know, hung out with him and his brother, went to his house, we sang together. Um, and uh, he's a fantastic uh, person. He's very sincere. And he mm-hmm. always wanted to, you know, minister to people. Right. And right. I, I don't know his whole story as far as when he left, or I'm sure he just. He wanted to go out and actually do it for real because he, he works at churches now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, th- when he put that up there, I mean, I, I saw my messages to him when it happened. Mm. I saw them on my messenger. It was like, bro. What are you doing? What is, what the, what is happening? Yeah. You know, it was insane. And Well, because, I mean, it was, it was a massive scandal immediately. Yeah. Uh, because it was talking about a lot of the abuse and especially especially the abuse on the part of Bill Gothard, mm-hmm. um, how he had been grooming women. Well, it's um, like once somebody talked about it, it was all right there. We all were like, oh, uh, yeah, all those times we were kidding about mm-hmm. how he liked pretty girls around him, and we, yep. we just was like, oh, that's, that's weird. Well, so, so speaking of that, okay, so all that to say, I spoke with John Cornish mm-hmm. um, 
we, we, we had a long conversation. I'm going to play a segment from that conversation with Dr. Cornish uh, where he talks about his interaction with Bill Gothard after Recovering Grace exposed multiple scandals uh, within IBLP. Josh, are you ready to play this? Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. So, so you... St- oh. I'm not ready to play this. Oh, okay. I apologize. Oh, okay. Oh, he well. So while he's getting this set up, so this is part of, like I said, a much longer conversation uh, that I had with with Dr. Cornish, right? Um, and we're going to be uh, posting the the full interview on uh, YouTube tomorrow at 8 p.m. So you can you can Start watch the, the whole thing. Okay, are we ready now? Almost. Okay. Uh, this was. It's it's really hard to put into words, right? What recovering grace did for so many victims in the IBLP cult. Um, I I actually cried during this interview with Dr. Cornish, uh, just remembering how grateful I was um, did you uh, when I finally found other people that understood the trauma uh, that IBLP had caused and, and realized I wasn't alone. Yeah. Um. I I mean it was it's it's overwhelming when, when you really think about it. Absolutely. It it blew up in several Facebook groups mm-hmm. very quickly, and it just, people went over there, and we just absorbed all of it, and we just could not believe I mean, it's, it, it, the it, stories. And, and, and it just validated, it, it validated experiences for so many people, and I think that's why it was so important, right? Yeah. Because people thought they were on an island. People thought that they were out here alone, that no one else was experiencing this. Uh, and then here comes Recovering Grace saying, hey, you're not alone. Right. Th- this is a common occurrence. Uh, it's a problem, and we're going to help you deal with it. And when so many people were talking about it that, like, you knew, like, oh, mm-hmm. I know John, and I know this person. I don't yeah. know all of these people. I yeah. know these two people. And then this friend that I know, they know that person. It's like, Well, and there's stories, uh, for me personally, there were stories on there about how bad Life Focus was. Yeah, you know that some poor guy that was uh, you know in a life focused class after me uh, tried to jump off the roof of the Indianapolis Training Center, um, uh, and, and security caught him before he could do that. But you know he managed to do some pretty serious damage to himself with with some pieces of glass, uh, even after they caught him. You know, so you know reading that on reco- on the Recovering Grace website for me was just like, yeah, it was bad. Yes, they absolutely locked us in solitary confinement, even though they're denying it to local authorities. No, this stuff really happened. Yes. Um, and so there were those stories that, you know, resonated with me. But but then, you know, once the stories uh, of the scandals with the women started coming out, I mean, that's what really, I mean, that is what was responsible ultimately for, for taking down Bill Gothard. It definitely escalated. And we'll be we'll be talking more about those scandals um, in, in episode five. Uh, but are we ready to play this now? Did you hear it when I was playing it? Yeah, yes. I could I could hear oh, it. Yeah. Okay, it was it was my headphones. I just couldn't hear it. Oh, okay. okay All right, we're ready. Okay, go ahead, Josh. So so you started the website in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, did you anticipate how powerful this would become? I mean, and when I say powerful, I mean as a force for good uh, within this you know ex cult member community. Uh, but also powerful uh, in the sense that ultimately it 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 took down this massive organization. Yeah, I th- I think we hoped it might make a difference and it might help other people who are either 
questioning or have left and are looking for hope. I think we had we had hopes that it would do that. It would help those people. I don't think we ever dreamed it was possible that we would lead to something, to uncovering some of the things that we uncovered and were able to, to make public that ultimately brought some justice um, to the situation. So I think we hoped to help people, but I don't think we ever had, I don't think we were arrogant enough to think that we could, could you know, bring Gother down, if you want to put it that way. Right. Right. I, and, and I I really do feel it. And they talked about it in the shiny, happy people documentary, right? Where yeah. some of some of these victims uh, that were featured in the documentary, uh, their first inkling that other people had experienced what they were experiencing was on the Recovering Grace website. Right. Um, you know, which is just crazy. Yeah. And even when we were first publishing, um, some of those stories that we, we were doing a, it was a sexual abuse awareness month. Um, not, mm. not just on our website, but it was a, a public month. And so we'd had some stories submitted, some personal stories of people who'd experienced um, abuse um, from parents or in the church or siblings or, or whatever. But then we kind of had our first submission of, of Bill mm. and what he was doing. And, I think all of us on the Recovering Grace team, some had worked at headquarters, some worked at other training centers. Um, all of us had heard the kind of the rumors that right. were, were just the just kind of the gossip that Bill had his favorites. I remember hearing that in my hometown when I was like 13 or 14 years old from someone who worked at headquarters saying, oh, yeah, this is kind of one of his quirks is that he he likes pretty blonde girls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was almost kind of like, you know, that's just how Uncle Bill is. You know, he just... <laughs> <laughs> um, so all of us had heard that, but it was like in that moment we went, wait, what, 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 what have we, what has the world been dismissing for yes, fifty years? Mm -hmm. So we we published that that first story um, under the name the, the the pseudonym was Lizzie. Um, that's mm -hmm. the first one to go to the website, and from there it was an avalanche. I mean, it was they 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 started coming in. There was comments on on that story. Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. Me too. Um, we took among the, among the team that it was me too, six years before me too. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and then we were like, wow, we, we didn't know what was going on. And from there, it was just a matter of how do we release this information? How do we give victims who are willing to share a platform, mm -hmm. um, that's not exploitative, um, but also exposes that there's a there's a, a man doing some very wicked things in a very mm -hmm. powerful position who still has access um, to lots of young girls. Well, and, and then it was just, uh, you know, a really a couple of years after that, um, that uh, he was ultimately removed from his position as the leader of IBLP. Um, and, and I really think that this, you know, recovering grace, the stories that people were sharing, mm -hmm. uh, it, it really was the catalyst for that. Right. Um, I don't well, think you could have seen it happen otherwise. Yeah. Well, and, and when those first stories came in in 2012, we had hoped that there would be some some sort of repentance or some kind of acknowledgement <laughs> from IBLP board. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems far fetched now to think that, but I think maybe our naivety at the, at the moment we thought, you know, maybe, maybe this can be dealt with. Um, but the stories kept coming. Mm -hmm. Bill reached out to us and to me multiple times, and it was always just, uh, how do we make this go away? How do we get you right. guys to? basically. Right, right. Um, and I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting aspect of this, is that 
Bill Gothard reached out to you directly. Mm -hmm. uh, you've had conversations with this guy. And, and like you said, it, it wasn't repentance, as, no. he, as he would put it, right? Uh, it was justification uh, and cover up. Yeah, his right? question was always about what are their real names? How do I get in touch mm -hmm. with them? Can you help me meet with them? Um, you know, I would ask him point blank, why did you why did you do these things? Why did I would ask that specific instance of specific behaviors he had done? And there was always some, well, you know, just, you know, he never would just acknowledge it. He would deflect. And then mm -hmm. I always tell people that that when you're talking to Bill, when he's done, he hangs up. And that's what, that's what would happen. You know, if he would, really? he would push, 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 and then you don't give him anything. He's like, all right, well, we'll talk to you later and hang up on mm -hmm. you. Like I said, the full interview with Dr. Cornish will be available uh, tomorrow at 8 p.m., so please be sure to take a look at that. It is uh, it, it can be tough to watch at times, uh, but it's uh, just so informative and, and helpful. Um, and that brings us to a very exciting announcement. Uh, on July 26th in Austin, Texas, we will be doing a live podcast episode with a studio audience. Tickets will be available for this event. Uh, we'll be having several guests that used to be in the IBLP cult, some guests that were a part of the Shiny People, uh, Shiny Happy People documentary, uh, just to talk about their experiences and answer questions uh, from the audience. All proceeds from ticket sales uh, for that event will be donated directly to Recovering Grace uh, to help continue the important work. Uh, that they are doing. Uh, we're we're about out of time here, so we're going to have to. Uh, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, Bill Gothard's social media, some of the recent activity, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that in uh, in the next episode. Um, you know, I uh, I, I think that um, it's going to be really interesting uh, to see what his his team uh, continues to communicate as uh, as this thing continues to just blow up all over the country. Um, so in the last episode, uh, we showed a throwback picture of me and Bryce uh, that folks loved, loved uh, it. Your goatee was a huge hit. Oh, it, it yeah. was it was on point. <laughs> but but we, we were at a restaurant with a bunch of women. It was so bad. <laughs> very very exciting stuff, y'all. Uh, so to close out this episode, I wanted to give y'all another throwback but this time it's actually bryce and bill gothard himself josh can you pull that up look at that bryce tell me yeah. what's going on here i i recall i <laughs> vaguely recall that this happened after i was in the young men's counseling seminar which i to this day cannot tell you what it was we were <laughs> learning yeah um and i think i was on the front row i think my team had front row seats because we were overachievers and um i i remembered literally doing this for my mother i was like could you take a picture with me for my mom and you know, oh, you know. oh and i'm sure your mom was thrilled too i'm sure she i'm i'm honestly surprised it's not framed i'm surprised house. she doesn't have like an altar with this picture on it you know yeah like with yeah <laughs> like a shrine to mr gothard himself wow, I, did you feel like any kind of power oh <laughs> yeah no, i felt it i was i, I like was like aura? i want to get away i gotta get away from this weirdo i can't get away with anything and this this kind of shows how short he is too yeah i didn't i don't remember that yeah because you're taller than him in this picture mm -hmm. and what how old were you this would have been very very early in our days there it could have been um it could have been 94 oh wow 95 okay 
Something like that. So you weren't even what you weren't even sixteen at that point, I, right? I was either fourteen or fifteen. Okay, I'm, I'm maybe fifteen. I don't know that my my mother would. You still me had a couple travel growth spurts left in you after a, this, though, the, right? In the airport, you know, <laughs> by myself. There were magazines in the airport. Sir. Wow, what a! I mean, this 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 needs to go in the scrapbook for sure. I mean, this is <laughs> look. It's all gonna go back in the box. I found it. Absolutely I'd like to thrilling. Every y'all. every ten twenty years and. It's compelling stuff here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you show up uh, to the live showing in your alert uniform, half price. Half price tickets. <laughs> <if you're... laughs> oh, and uh, I should mention, I, I didn't even mention it, uh, but Dr. Cornish is planning on attending uh, that uh, that live show. It'll be great to see him again. It's I been mean, a long time. The, the guy has so much knowledge and experience with this cult. Any question that anyone has, he's going to be able to answer. Um, I won't make him play Southern Gospel like I did before. Maybe we can. Maybe we can play some uh, some Farkle. Oh my God! <laughs> I, he did not. He was not a participant of that. I don't we're, believe. We're dice evil for him. Look, the, we got cl- we played some Southern Gospel songs, which are kind of can be a little, Ooh, little fringy, little you know, might have a little backbeat there. Yeah, yeah. Potentially and, summon and a demon on the piano. He was just unmatched at the facility. I mean, he is. A master. Oh, he is. Uh, he is a phenomenal musician. Uh, I mean, that's what he does full time now. Uh, exactly. It's really cool. Uh, so, in the next episode, we're going to be talking more about the scandal that finally took down Bill Gothard and what it was like getting out of the cult, deprogramming from all the brainwashing and trauma. Uh, we'll also we're also going to be answering some of the questions that we've been getting from from p- previous episodes. Uh, especially like in the YouTube comments. Uh, I know people just have so many questions, so we're going to try to answer a lot of those. Um, a couple people have asked, whatever happened to to the girlfriend that I had um, that got me sent to rehab? And and that's actually a, a really sad story. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that. But primarily, I want to just talk about what life has been like after the cult. So we'll be getting into that starting in episode five, and we'll continue a lot of that through episode six. We've got some additional really interesting interviews with other special guests uh that i cannot wait for y'all to see uh so please uh please stay tuned for all that and to be fair every ex-girlfriend of yours i've met has had a sad tragic story <laughs> i don't think you needed to bring that up right <laughs> you brought this picture so that's true you know what turnabout's fair play exactly. on that that's your revenge okay well thank y'all so much for watching uh we'll be back next wednesday at 8 p.m uh, and look forward to hearing from all of you. Thank you so much. We love you.